Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. It's no secret that our kids are living in a porn-saturated environment. A lot of parents are worried about how to protect their kids from seeing pornography, accessing pornography on their smartphones and computers. But my guest today on the podcast, Taylor Chambers, licensed marriage and family therapist, has a little bit different approach and wants parents to understand that even though prevention's good and we should certainly take efforts to protect our families from seeing harmful things, it's actually more important to help our children develop resilience, the internal strength, and also the relationship strength with their parents so that they can actually heal and move through and be strengthened in dealing with the things that they see and experience. This actually helps parents be less afraid. So we're going to talk about that today. Taylor Chambers is a licensed marriage and family therapist, private practice in St. George, Utah. He also is a national presenter on this topic of porn-resilient parenting and just recently spoke at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography Conference in Salt Lake City. And he's also developed an online parenting program about porn-resilient parenting, and we'll give you some more information about that at the end of the podcast. But Taylor, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here and talk about this. So. Yeah. So this idea of porn resilience, how would you describe that or define that for a parent who's worried about protecting their kids? Yeah, I mean, I think you you gave a great introduction to it. The idea here is that uh, prevention is absolutely necessary, um, but a lot of times the organizations or, or people that are um, – going about uh, working with parents, trying to um, handle this stuff, they are focused on the prevention and don't go beyond that. And I think the prevention is step one of, of many steps. So the idea here is that we prevent everything that we can, but knowing that our kids are going to encounter distorted sexuality in their natural development, then um, you know this focuses on how do we prepare our kids how do we make them strong individuals so that they can still hang on to their values in the middle of all of this stuff? Right, because the exposure is inevitable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, because it's not it's not just your kids are clicking on hardcore porn sites. The, right, you're saying it's everywhere in the culture. We know that it's 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 in movies, music, magazines. Right, in video games. I mean, just in the language with kids. Right, I think sometimes we have this false um, line drawn of. It's not pornography up until this certain point, and if we could just prevent everything beyond that line. But the reality is that the process of being um, drawn to pornography versus um, seeing somebody, you know, wearing immodest clothing down the street, we want them to be resilient to both. It's not just about preventing the one version and ignoring the other. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you were saying that the a lot of times parents will just kind of draw a line and just once they feel like they've got the prevention piece sort of locked down, you know, filters installed, check, mm-hmm. or we've had the discussion with our kids or we're monitoring things, we should be good, right? Right, and right. And that's, that's, that's obviously a myth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the focus that I, that I take is more on what's going on in, in terms of the relationships, what's going on in terms of the emotions, 
Um, are we helping the, our children grow? So even if they do encounter pornography, um, similar to other forms of hardships or trials, that can actually be a growth-promoting experience. And obviously, we want to prevent it, right? We would never just choose for that to happen. And yet, it's not a, an all-is-lost moment. It's an opportunity to help our kids learn and refine their understanding of sexuality and uh, re- human relationships and things like that. Do you ever any parents fight back on this? I um, <laughs> think like, are you serious? Are you like really just saying it's it's we're going to we're going to let our kids be exposed to this and then they'll just grow from it? Like does that do some parents think you're being a little reckless with this approach? Um I I maybe maybe behind the scenes. <laughs> By the <laughs> time I'm talking to parents, I think that a lot of times it's post exposure yeah. and so they're they're pretty aware of like, all right, well that happened, so what do we do? And, uh, and a lot of times they are thinking about their, their other younger children maybe and, and, hey, how can I prevent this? I think that when I've talked with parents, I think most really do see the wisdom of this approach and, and kind of line up with it. Yeah. Um, there was – so I was running a Porn Resilient Parenting Workshop and there was one couple in particular that was um, really interested in learning more and um, really great intentions and all of that. And as they were learning – um, we were talking about in one of the uh, the classes this idea of balancing freedoms and restrictions for our kids, mm-hmm. and they were realizing that their daughter had a lot of responsibility but did not have a lot of freedom, and it wasn't lining up. And so um, they, they joked about they came to the class, and they hadn't given her a smartphone prior to the class, but during the, the workshop, they decided to give her a smartphone so that she could start testing out her freedoms Um and maybe making some mistakes here or there. Now, granted, this wasn't a high-risk situation. She, she was a, a very responsible girl, and, and she was at an appropriate age. Uh, and so they were just, they were, I guess, joked about like, well, we thought we were going to go the other direction, right? Lock things down <laughs> right. more, but we realized that we actually needed to grant more freedom and, and then be there to talk through things with her so that, that she could actually develop rather than, you know, launching off into independence, you know, at 18 and having had zero preparation for uh, self-management. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, because it's really, I mean, it, it's not about obviously parents exposing their kids to stuff. That's reckless right. and illegal, none right? A, yeah, none of this is intentional. This is about acknowledging the the, the waters we are swimming in mm-hmm. and that you can you can act like you can somehow protect your kids, bubble wrap them, yeah, and keep them away from all the harms, or you can basically help guide them and and really monitor their growth, like you're saying, right, and maturation and development, both emotionally, sexually, um, relationally, mm-hmm. and help them understand what to do with all this incoming information, right, and experiences, and working with what's coming at you, right. It's kind of like you, you either work with it or you fight it all the time and then you end up right. losing. We don't have to lose here. Yeah, exactly. Um, the The goal here is not scale back on prevention. I still want people to prevent as much as they, they possibly can. But it's a perspective shift of while you're preventing, you're buying yourself time to like grow your kid up more so that when they <laughs> yeah. when they are exposed to things that they'll be that. more and more ready. So yeah, prevent as much as possible still. Um, but don't forget that while you're preventing, you also need to be cultivating um, skills and attributes and information for your kids so that they can handle this in a more mature way. I love that. I love that concept of you standing in between your kid 
and the culture and the the harmful media so that you can be a voice, you can be an influence right. and not just – because prevention if, in its purest sense is like cutting off their voices, but your voice is nowhere either. Right. And and then, of course, the extreme would be just letting all the voices happen and then you get drowned out because the harmful media mm-hmm. voices are way louder and more right. aggressive than any parent could possibly be. Right. So this is about standing in between that and helping guide the discussion, right. helping kids make sense of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's where the resilience comes from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think, it, I mean, as I'm listening to this, even as a parent, I'm thinking, yeah, this is this strategy is what I've obviously tried to do with my kids as well. Um, but it's helped me be less afraid. Right. It's helped me be less afraid as I've given my kids phones and access to things and recognized that you know, when they run into stuff or if, even if when they search stuff intentionally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can step in and, and really guide and help them before it becomes something massive and really help them understand what's happening to them, why they're making these choices, how it's affecting them. Right. Yeah. And the fear goes way down for the parent. Yeah, exactly. And, and as it should, because if, if prevention is our only perspective, then it's going to feel like a crucial loss when uh, when a child is exposed to pornography. But if we know at the outset that, hey, we, we understand that the world um, is hypersexual mm-hmm. and uh, some of that's pornography and some of it's, you know, billboards or whatever, um, then, yeah, when we have those those bad moments, they're, they're moments, right? It's not like the game has been lost. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of just this idea of inoculation mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you're just giving them. You know, you're not you're not giving them a little bit of it, but you're allowing them just to live in a world where they're going to be infected by stuff, mm-hmm. and that they can develop an immunity, a resistance, a strength that they're that they can actually learn to overcome this. Right. But they but they can't be 100 percent sheltered from it, which is impossible anyway. Let's yeah, be honest. Right. And any parent who thinks they can do that completely. Hasn't probably left their house right, ever. Right. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> or turned it's a, on a device. It's an enticing fantasy to think <laughs> that that we could control the lives of our children to the extent that they won't see anything, you know, sexually arousing or something like that. Right. But sounds like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we were cast out of there a long time ago, so like we we just can't pull that one off. Yeah. And I think most parents do have the right intention and they're doing the best that they can, but they just aren't aware that there's more that ought to happen if we're going to be successful in this. Well, let's jump into some strategies. I'd love to hear what are some things. We talk about porn resilience with our kids and creating an environment in our homes where our kids can, or we, again, we can step in front of, of this and, and start to moderate the conversation and help our kids develop and grow. Where do parents start? Right. So um, a lot of parents will kind of start with warning their kids and then um, hopefully, you know, hoping that's enough, maybe some prevention tactics. Um, but then when exposure happens, we might uh, overreact or something, and then we engage in the battle of, you know, us versus porn or something like that. Um, but instead, um, you know, that obviously tends to be ineffective. Um, I, I developed the porn resilience model, and there are four steps. And when I say step, I don't mean they have to happen in a particular order. Okay. Um, but that they are... Um, you know, we start at the foundation of step one, which is cultivate the relationship. In other words, um, bond with your child as much as you can in as many ways as you can. Having a solid relationship with your child, especially one that's marked by open communication, is going to be the absolute best thing that you can do 
to help your kid be resilient to um, pornography and toxic sexuality messages from from society. Uh, so that's the starting point. And we never stop there, right? But most of our time, most of our energy um, ought to really be going to just having a good general relationship with our kids. And that's going on before, during, after right. exposure. That's just that's that's just the climate you're creating in your home with exactly. your kids. That's life, right? Um, that's like you're probably trying to do that anyway, right? You're probably already engaged in step one, especially yeah. if you're the kind of parent that's, you know, listening to podcasts and trying to learn more about the world and, and all of that. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, but you want to you wanna be evaluating that. And uh, sometimes when we jump into the prevention strategies, which do have their place, uh, if we don't have the relationship as a foundation, they're they're going to be uh, pretty ineffective in most cases. So yeah, and and but but at the same time, just having a good relationship with your kids not going to be enough, right? To navigate this, it's it's foundational, it's ongoing, and it's mm-hmm. it's key. It's key to, to the next steps, right? Yeah, but it isn't it isn't uh, in and of itself necessary, but uh, insufficient, right? Okay, yeah. So where where next? What's the next step? So yeah, as we are cultivating that relationship, then we then we focus specifically on preparing our child, and so uh, this is where we get into things like age appropriate education. This is where we help them develop skills, you know, skills like uh, decision making or um, you know conflict resolution or emotional regulation. Um, and then we prepare our kids also by helping uh, foster these attributes of resilience, responsibility, um, you know, uh, intuition or wisdom, you know, those kinds of things that are going to serve them when they face, um, you know, hard things in their future. Yeah, okay. And so this is this includes talking about, you know, sexuality, bodies, exactly. some of these educational right. things. But I love how you're expanding it also just to decision makings because so much of navigating media culture and like you said, toxic sexuality and some of these other harmful things, it's all about decisions. Yeah, right. They, they have to understand mm-hmm. their own process. Right. Do I go further down this rabbit hole or do I back out and go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and for for them to, um, I don't know, when if if they're cultivating, now they're, they're kids or teenagers, right? So we, we have to kind of be realistic in our expectations. When I'm talking about good decision-making, um, it's not going to look like a responsible 50-year-old, right? Um, but at the same time, I think that our kids will often surprise us with how mature they really can be, mm-hmm. um, even at a young age. So, yeah. And that's a perfect setup for uh, step three, uh, which is manage media, which is um, by far and away the, the most prevalent, um, I guess, uh, uh, means. Yeah, strategy. Yeah, that... Yeah. Uh, that uh, that that's the that's the avenue that the hypersexual world will enter our oh, home in. Yeah, I see, see what, what I'm saying. saying? Yeah. yeah, so that's 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 the entry point. That's right. where the that's where they're going to get to our kids. Uh-huh. And so we've we've got to you know slow that down. Right. I mean, you yeah. know, hundred years ago maybe it was you know don't go square dancing too much, right? But <laughs> right now now what we're what we're worried about about managing is is not the the social get-togethers. It's yeah. it's the media, the stream of media that's entering oh, into our kids' lives. All the voices, all the influences, all the right. I mean, there's just so many voices. Yeah, yeah. So managing that, I mean, this is where filters come in handy um, or accountability software, um, and it uh, I tend to recommend that people do have a strong system of uh, blocking things and monitoring what's going on so that you can at least be generally aware of what's going on in the home and, and kind of the media that people are are using. 
you got to be careful not to get too obsessive here, but but managing that does involve some of those technological solutions. This is where people jump to first, but as you can see, um, if you don't have those underlying pieces, mm -hmm. it's going to be very limited in its effectiveness. Well, yeah, then you can't really control the flow as easily or at least regulate it. Yeah. And so this idea of you standing in between and you have zero, con zero uh, filters or... And, you know, you just aren't even like blocking apps or slowing things down, then you're going to have way more on your hand to work with and deal with. And yeah. It'll be a tsunami. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and then, you know, this is not just managing media in terms of filtering. This is also managing it in terms of family culture. Like how, how do we relate to our phones? You know, um, at dinner, do we, do we toss our phones into the basket or, or maybe even on the positive side of like, do we bond around media? Do we have, you know, favorite uh, uh, movies or do we listen to music together or things like that? And using media in positive ways as well. So mm -hmm. when we're talking about monitoring or I mean managing media, part of it's the preventative stuff, the blocking and all of that. But this is also where, hey, you're going to be watching Netflix with your kid and there's going to be an inappropriate scene and managing media. Maybe that means you stop watching the TV show maybe it means you just use that as, a, as an opportunity to to start dialoguing with your kids so that you can um, see where they're at developmentally in their understanding of things um, or maybe talk and um, help level up their, their way of seeing interactions or something like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so there's a difference between just, you know, managing media and then this next step that you're going to talk about, which is about exposure. Right. So let's talk about that. Yeah, and this is uh, a lot of times when people um, start to look into, okay, hey, what, what does it mean to be porn resilient? It's, it's actually at the point of exposure. And um, mostly, like, how do I handle this when it happens, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is where we draw on a lot of the resources that hopefully we've developed in those underlying steps. So this is where we use the relationship, um, where we use the, the internal resources that we've helped our children develop. And so navigating exposure is all about how do you support your child without shutting them down? How do you continue to help them grow up even when they have um, accidentally seen something, when they've intentionally sought it out? whether this was a one-time thing or a repeated thing, how do we how do we handle those situations? And so um, ultimately being there as a support, having open dialogue and really emphasizing a stance of both curiosity and collaboration um, is really huge when when our kids are are being exposed to pornography. Right, right. And so when, when parents are put, really, this is where they put it all together. Yeah, exactly. This could, because when the exposure happens, it's kind of go time. Even though it's right. been building and happening and you're managing and doing all these things, this is the moment where a lot of parents seize up. Right. Their, their kid, you know, they, they catch them or the kid comes to them or there's some sort of an interaction where all of a sudden now it's, it's time to talk about this. Right. And parents have got to be more prepared and actually have a plan in place, strategies. Right. And like you said, even dipping into the the maybe relationship collateral they've developed over time with their kid. Right, right. You don't want the first time you pick up the football to be on like the season opener, right? Right. Hopefully you've spent some time um, preparing for this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Now the reality is many parents have have not. And and you know, that's not ideal, but it's it's uh it's not um, the end of the story. Um, when they are in this situation and then start to implement some of these um, these concepts and ideas, 
um, even if there's like ongoing use, for example, going back to the relationship and improving that, it can really actually help yeah. your kid. You know, there, I guess I'm saying there's no too late, right? Right. Um, it can still turn things around even at that stage. So No, I love that. Yeah, and you shared a great example with this family that, you know, in the middle of your workshop, you know, actually gave their kid more freedom where they were expecting to go in there and make the kid, you know, more responsible or lock things right. down. And so do you have any other examples of of where you've seen parents grow from this and have some uh, some success with this? Yeah, absolutely. So I was working with a, um, a teenager and um, in, in many ways kind of the classic example. He, he was just such a good kid, so funny, so kind. And uh, he came in because it was time to prep for the mission and he was struggling with um, – some of these sexual things, the pornography, masturbation and stuff. And so um, he wanted to to gain some mastery over that so that he could go on a mission. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so I, I worked with with him and his mom, and um, they had already come in with a lot of good resources. They, they actually had a, a decent relationship, um, open communication. He was willing. And uh, granted, that is not always the case. A lot of times there's resistance or, or a closed relationship. Uh, so they had a lot of good things going for them. And as we worked through this, you know, we, we um, in therapy kind of developed some of the behavioral strategies of how to slow this thing down, kind of get around it. We took a look at what some of the underlying drives might have been, and, and we were doing some good individual work. Uh, but it seems to me that the biggest thing that, that helped this guy um, improve and kind of distance himself from viewing pornography and masturbating was um, refining his relationship with his mom. So they had open communication, like I said, and she would check in on him and kind of do that thing of like, so how's it going? You know, and mm-hmm. and he knew exactly what she was talking about. And, and he'd kind of, you know, in the moment, usually he would always just say fine, you know, and and usually he was being honest of like, well, right now I'm fine. You know, nothing's going on. Um, but when he would report to her like, hey, mom, I slipped up uh, yesterday or something like that. Um, I, I actually initially thought she was handling that really well. She wasn't. Uh, directly shaming. She wasn't uh, exasperated or anything like that. But as we as we processed this a couple of weeks, um, he he started to tell me about the look that that he got from his mom. And while she was being really really patient, <laughs> she was also giving him that that look. And it was almost like a little bit humorous, or like oh really, you know, again that kind of look. And I think her intention was to add a little bit of lighthearted humor to it. Um, uh, but the result was that he felt so ashamed. Mm. And so for them, what made the the biggest difference was going back to the relationship and uh, figuring out how do we um, how do we clarify that, hey, I love you no matter what, right? And this this is not something so shameful that you'll never be okay with me. And then going back up to that fourth step of navigating exposure and, and refining her responses in those moments when, when something had shown up and her being a little more understanding, more emphasizing the, the listening and things like that really helped this family shift things. And he was able to like get a a really strong sense of mastery over this issue. Yeah. That's a great example. Something so simple, which was just this nonverbal look can, can really open up a lot of healing and a lot of resilience and strength for, for the son, for the child. Right. And the parent, I mean, is a huge resource in that, mm-hmm. right? She could have definitely just folded her arms and just said like, well, I'm the parent and you need to stop looking at this and like, you know. Right. Yeah. If she had kind of <laughs> gone like, 
all right, we need to, to filter filter this situation to the max. Right, right, we're clamping down. Yeah, then it would have never addressed that shame, and he wouldn't have been prepared to to start um, changing how he viewed himself. And I think that's going to be what what helps give him you know lasting mastery over this as he continues to develop. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think so many parents, I certainly have felt this way, feel powerless. Like, you know, what can we do to stop the flood? You know, what can we do to to actually make a difference in this? I feel so outnumbered. Yeah. And you're saying, oh, you are a huge resource. Mm-hmm. You actually can do so much to mm-hmm. help your own kid. And so to slow down, to tune in, focus on the relationship, there's so much that parents can do that has nothing to do with tech and filters and whatever, but there's this relationship that they can nurture and ways of relating and ways of talking and, again, dealing with exposure and these kinds of things that actually can strengthen their kids. Parents can be so hands-on with this. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. is not just about a kid with a half-developed teenage brain right? just trying to, like, muscle through with tons of willpower. Parents can do a lot to support this. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's where it be- becomes the most powerful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, on your website, you have a free assessment people can download and uh, just to understand kind of where they are in terms of being yeah. prepared for this kind of porn resilience type method. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I developed the, uh, the uh, porn resilient family assessment and I broke things down into a lot of different categories um, and just kind of walk you through a series of questions and um, in these different sections that kind of relate to the steps that I mentioned um, you can kind of evaluate and give yourself a score and see like, hey, is this a strong area for us or is this something that that we as a family need to go back and, and improve on? And so we go through the series of questions and then we take that information and we um, develop it into a plan of action. And so um, this is a great starting place if you're like, hey, I mean, I think we're doing okay, but I don't know, there's still problems or, or you know, if you're mm-hmm. just like, if there's a big question mark, this should add some clarity of where you can focus your efforts next uh, to kind of improve things for your family the most. Oh, that's awesome. And and I, I think what's exciting about this too is that um, because it's an online workshop, any of our listeners of the Illuminate podcast can uh, actually sign up and do Taylor's four-week parenting, porn-resilient parenting workshop, which is way more in-depth and walks you through. And he actually personally guides the workshop yep. and answers questions and works with with you and your specific situations to help you. And so you can you can sign up and get that free uh, assessment on his website, taylorjchambers.com. And on there, you can uh, put your email address. He'll send you the assessment. And then there's also more information on this Porn Resilient Parenting Workshop, which actually starts uh, beginning of March, right? Right, March 8th. March 8th um, is the next one, okay. Yeah, and then I'll be running them throughout the year, so okay. um, you can kind of always check back. And so see if this one fills one's up, then they can they right. can get on the next one. So, right. okay, awesome. Taylor, thank you so much for sharing this model with us and giving mostly giving parents hope and resources to know that there's a lot more they can do yep. than just wring their hands and be terrified. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> a ton. Parents are, um, I mean, like you were saying, the biggest resource that these kids have. And uh, if if we get the right direction and guidance, then that can free us up to, to actually step in and help out. So, Yeah, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, of course. It was um, wonderful. I'm really happy to be here. So, Thank you. You can learn more about Taylor Chambers and his Porn Resilient Family Assessment, which is free on his website. Go to taylorjchambers.com. 
and put in your email address and your name, and he will send you that assessment. And then you can also learn more about his online uh, Porn Resilient Parenting Workshop, which is an in-depth four-week parenting workshop. I do want to thank Taylor for sharing his uh, expertise in this area and giving all of us hope and guidance and direction and actual tools and resources that we can use to strengthen our children and our families. And uh, thank you for listening to the Illuminate podcast. I do appreciate it. Please make sure to, to like and share any of these episodes that you feel like are helpful to you. And next episode, I'm going to actually invite Taylor back on the podcast to talk about mindfulness and how that can be a strength, not only in recovery from pornography addictions, sexual addictions, betrayal, trauma, recovery, but just as a good life skill to learn and something we can teach our children and use ourselves to have more peace of mind and to feel more connected to ourselves, to others, and to God. So stay tuned for that in the next episode of the Illuminate Podcast.